I'm Marianne Kolbesek McGee, Managing Editor at Healthcare Info Security. Today we're talking about the results of our 2012 Healthcare Information Security Today survey with Bill Spooner, CIO at Sharp Healthcare. We'll be focusing on some of the top security priorities and investments for the year ahead and a number of other topics. Thanks for joining us, Bill. Well, thank you very much, Marianne. Good to talk with you. Our survey shows that the top three information security priorities for the coming year are improving regulatory compliance efforts, improving security awareness and education, and preventing and detecting breaches. Why do you believe that these are the top security priorities for healthcare organizations in general, and what are your security priorities at Sharp for this year? Well, I think that the priorities are right in line with with our thinking here at Sharp. And when you recognize that almost every week there's some kind of a reported breach uh, around the country involving the thousands of uh, patient records being potentially compromised uh, and the fines and other punishment plus the poor public relations that comes out of that is really increasing the emphasis, rightfully so, on uh, improving our security profiles. And When you add on top of that the fact that the technology is changing all the time, we're getting different kinds of attacks that we're we're needing to protect against all the time, we have to continue to raise our game just in the same way that the attackers, et cetera, are raising theirs. On top of the three priorities that uh, you mentioned in the, that came out of the survey, uh, one of our priorities additionally this year is really implementing a, a more formalized, what we're calling the government's risk and compliance program. And that's really a series of process to ensure that we're evaluating risks around new applications, new processes, to ensure that we're looking at these things consistently and that we are thoughtfully in assessing the risk of whatever we do in terms of our IT program and related processes so that we feel you know, defensible and comfortable in terms of the level of risk that we're taking. Along with that, we're putting in a computerized tool set to facilitate to the analysis that we do and to really track the decisions that we make. And that, along with the, the three priorities that you mentioned, are pretty important to us. When we asked about security technology investments for the year ahead, the top responses were audit tool or log management, data loss prevention, and mobile device management systems. Why do you believe organizations are investing in each of those technologies? And can you tell us a little bit about the investments that Sharp plans for 2013? Well, I already talked about the investment in the GRC, or Governance Risk and Compliance Program. But in addition to that, we are raising our our game in a couple of areas. We're implementing a uh, data scrambling tool for our non-production environments where we want to ensure that we're not using real patient data as we're testing applications. That will happen this year. Like many organizations, we are implementing a mobile device management product that includes a security suite to help secure mobile devices and recognizing that we are seeing more and more requests to use iPads and other similar mobile devices on our system. We really need to ensure that that we're providing adequate protection around that. We're upgrading our wireless infrastructure to some extent to better segment the mobile device traffic out of the internal network. We are improving our logging system so that we're really tracking activity on the system so that we can do effective analysis in terms of who's on the system and what we're looking at. Those are some of the key investments that we're making, some of the key priorities that we have this year. 
Uh, we're also looking to implement a, we have a clinical auditing tool. We're, we're looking at implementing a, a newer one that's a little bit more comprehensive than the product that we're using today. The survey also shows that less than half of organizations have a documented information security strategy. Why don't more organizations have one, and what should be in that strategy? I was a little bit surprised by the results that uh, that organizations actually have not documented their security strategy, given that the you know the HIPAA requirements have had security assessment, you know, the meaningful use has a security assessment, and, I, and people that I talk with truthfully do have a pretty formalized security strategy. So I'm a little bit surprised with that. You know, this isn't something that we look at as apart from everything else we're doing in the organization. It all folds into the overall strategic planning for the organization. But I really think that in order to ensure that you are effectively assessing the risks, you really have to be identifying your goals and, and including security strategy. As I look at our organization, we and do and we update a risk assessment organization-wide every couple of years, and that includes technology risks as well as business risks, and the security strategy fits right in with how we respond to our overall risk profile as we, uh, as we believe believe it to be. No, absolutely, I believe they, uh, that should be a part of every organization. Moving on to budgeting, when it comes to funding for information security, the most common approach is to ask for money to be allocated out of the overall IT budget as needed for security projects, according to the respondents. What do you see as the best approach to security funding, and how is that approach evolving at Sharp? Well, I think that uh, it's pretty natural that security budgeting be, be part of the overall IT budget because because we have security ingrained in many aspects of our operations, account management, which may be managed by the traditional technical assistance or help desk uh, in terms of establishing role-based security is part of it. So there are a piece of your FTE budget that goes into, into managing the, the role-based security. The people who manage both our wired and our wireless network have a piece of the security profile, and it's just part of their jobs. And, and then in addition to that, we have a, a dedicated security staff that, that deal with it on an overall basis, deal with the overall risk assessments, deal with some of the tools that we put in. So it really is ingrained around the department. But you know, beyond uh, worrying about specifically how much money we're spending on security, it's really the, the organization's perspective on security and how seriously we take it. I, I think that any organization could be spending half as much as another one but be taking it seriously and, and communicating the message from senior leadership that it's important to us to protect the patient's information, to not let rogue devices on our network, to really ensure that, that the work that we do doesn't compromise our security. And, uh, you know, to me, I believe that the, the leadership commitment is in, in many ways more important than the absolute amount of money that you're spending on it. For certain, you have to have tools to monitor, track, ensure that you're having good security, but I'm not sure that another X dollars makes your security that much better as compared to X commitment from leadership that it's important. Despite all the publicity about major health information breaches, the survey shows that 
Only a little over a third of organizations expect their budget for information security to grow this year. Plus, of those that reported what percentage of their IT budget is devoted to information security, most reported only spending 3% or less. Bill, you touched upon this just a minute ago about the support from senior executives. Why is winning support for investing in information security so difficult, and what is the key to winning senior executive support? Well, the, the reason that, that I believe that it's difficult to uh, win the support for investing in security is the, the balance between ease of use, employee productivity, and patient care. To ask a person, to ask a clinician to use a larger password or to have to go through additional steps in terms of authenticating themselves on a system or to uh, do other things that they would believe slows down, down their work in terms of taking care of patients meets resistance. And so therefore, we have kind of a political argument in terms of how much we're willing to respond to the caregiver's belief that you're in a way, you're you know, getting in the way of patient care. And some of it's real, some of it is, you know, imagination, but you have to strike a reasonable balance. And so that's another area where you know, the senior executives are using their political capital to make this stuff happen. Uh, unfortunately, I think the key to, to winning senior executive support is to have uh, have a breach or have your neighbor have a breach. Um, and there's nothing that gets your attention worse than, than, than a bad experience. And uh, unfortunately, we see those things happening around the country. And typically, the organization that has the breach finds themselves implementing more uh, rigorous procedures, things that they probably should have had in the first place. But it is unfortunate that that, that, that has to happen. Um, I think that more recently, with the number of reported breaches that that you know we're seeing in the news almost every week, uh, it's not quite as difficult an argument as it was uh, five or ten years ago because we realize that we're all vulnerable. About 30% of those that we surveyed said that their organization does not have a full-time chief information security officer or an equivalent role. Is such a position essential for organizations of a certain size, do you think? And does SHARP have a CISO? We have a person who who has that role. That is not his his title, but he's director of information security. He has a dedicated full-time position, and he has a staff of about five people supporting him. I'm not sure what the size of an organization it takes to to indicate that there, that there really should be, uh, you know, a specific FTE. I can imagine some organizations that are smaller might embed it in a function like internal audit, or it might be embedded in someone else's job within IT. I think, though, that if you look at the breaches that are happening, that have happened in different companies, and especially some of the larger companies, you recall the uh, multiple millions of people whose uh, records were exposed at Sony a couple of years ago, uh, that certainly gets your uh, awareness uh, big time in terms of having a a, a real security professional leading the program and helping to to really truly assess your risks and ensure that the organization is, is managing appropriately. I think I would I would recommend if in a smaller organization that felt that they couldn't justify a full-time security officer that perhaps they even uh, use some kind of a you know, consulting agreement with a, with a security firm to, to give them advice on an ongoing basis. I just don't think that you can, you know, in, in today's environment, get along with no professional leadership around that area.
Moving on to a topic that you touched upon a little while ago here, HIPAA and high-tech both require risk assessments. But our survey shows that about a third of organizations have not conducted an assessment within the past year. Should assessments be conducted annually? And why is it important to make sure these assessments are kept up to date? Well, I have to begin by saying that I hope that those that third are people who have already attested to meaningful use because a risk assessment is part of the stage one meaningful use requirement and it will continue into stage two and stage three. But, you know, I... I would expect that a security assessment could be should be conducted periodically, and it may be more rigorous uh, one year than the next, but it certainly should be updated annually, and there should be a plan in place to address the higher risk areas. In my organization, we... Um, we, we do a risk assessment internally within our InfoSec department within IT. We also uh, utilize a, an outside firm uh, that is actually engaged by our organization audit and compliance committee that, that takes a look at our, our risks and helps us really balance the approach that we're taking. And whereas we don't go through and do a ground-up assessment every year, we update what we've seen in the, in the prior year. Well, we look at the results of the various audits that we've done during the course of the year and identify where we need to make course corrections. Um, I, I think that the environment is just too dynamic to, to believe that you wouldn't want to update it annually. It would, it's probably the same thing as uh, whether you need to get an annual physical or not. If your health condition is changing, you better be going to the doctor. And in, in the same sense, if, as you recognize that new threats are coming to you in the security environment, you better be thinking about how you're responding to them. And that really is the risk assessment process. Related to all of that, the survey shows that for those with an updated risk assessment, the most common action taken as a result of the analysis is revising and updating security policies, followed by implementing new security technologies. What kinds of updates in security policies are generally needed, do you think? And should technology acquisitions be primarily driven by the risk assessment results? Well, you've asked two questions. Let me let me hit the first one first. In our thinking, if we've devised a, a really well thought out security information security policy, it won't require a lot of revision. But then there are standards beneath it that will will need to be adjusted as new things come on the market. For instance, if there's a new kind of uh, you know a, a new protocol for Wi-Fi, then how do we embrace that within it? And you mentioned earlier, we talked about mobile device management. You know, the the infusion of mobile devices into our to our environment required some new thinking around them. But in general, that isn't changing our overall policy that says that we assess the risks of things that we've been in, bring into the organization. Now, that leads to the second question, should technology acquisitions be primarily driven? Well, obviously, no. Technology assessments and acquisitions have to be, have to be balanced. Um, at the same time, if a product is identified as not having adequate security built into it, it should be rejected for sure. It's just a question you can't say, well, primarily any one uh, feature like that is going to drive the selection. It has to be a sort of a balanced approach. And that really, really leads to thinking that when you're, when you're shopping for any kind of a product, it's, it's dangerous to, to get to, to one finalist 
too early because you may you may run into an issue that just totally is unacceptable to to any one of the stakeholders, and then you need to back off and look at product number two. But clearly, if a if an organization uh, in our case, it's software vendors. If they if they don't have adequate security profiles, and and we, and we can't identify how they're building uh, sound security into their system, it's not probably not something we want to bring into our organization. This has particularly been of issue lately as organizations are evaluating cloud-based offerings because we're putting, our, in many cases, patient information outside of our own data centers, and, and we were very concerned about how well protected that data would be in whatever remote data center that this vendor is operating, and we need to be ensured that the vendor has good security policies in place and the vendor is having its security audited in the same fashion that we would expect it to be done uh, internally. And, you know, and I would think that those probably, those kinds of offerings would be the ones that would be at most risk for being rejected you know, if they have not established a sound security profile in their cloud-based solution. Thanks a lot, Bill. We've been talking to Bill Spooner, CIO of Sharp Healthcare. This is Marianne Kolbesak-McGee for Information Security Media Group. Thanks so much for listening.